You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith and this is my conversation with Jeff Martin. Jeff Martin is the man at the centre of a band from Canada called The Tea Party. The reason for the conversation though is to promote his brand new venture, which is a tour which honours REM called The Ones We Love, celebrating REM 1982 to 1992. We hear through the conversation that it features a cast of outstanding Australian musicians. The other reason to chat to Jeff is that he has an upcoming Australian tour, which occurs across June, July and August. I start off by asking Jeff about the reason that he ended up living in Australia. Here we go. From where my sister-in-law's from originally. So, are you um, was it was it music that brought you down here, mate, or was it love and family? Uh, well, first of all, you know, it was like um, I had a I had a son that was born here in 2004 in Australia, but uh, but I also um, you know the Tea Party when it started in '93 when our first record came out. Um, Outside of Canada, Australia was the first country um, that we had you know, major, major success immediately. So it's been uh, it's been an ongoing love affair since then. You know? And um, yeah, and it was just something that um, you know. I mean, I'm very, very comfortable here in this climate. You know, and also I find that um, especially this area of Australia, in Byron Bay, there's um, there's such a, a community of um, of very eclectic musicians, you know, great musicians, and so it's um, it's a wonderful thing to be a part of. Yeah, wicked. Yeah, I remember. Sorry, I, know, I definitely know we're here to talk about REM and also your solo tour, but um, I've got to mention this. So, I remember seeing you twenty three years, yeah, twenty three years ago on Alternative Nation in a very wet oh, and muddy Sydney. Yeah, do you remember that yeah. gig? I do remember that gig very well. Yeah, <laughs> I reckon that was probably the best lineup of artists we've seen in this country. To be honest with you, I know there's been some pretty good soundwave lineups, but that one there, it was easier to list who wasn't there than who was in terms of yeah. big names at that time. And I think yourselves and Faith No More and Primus put on an excellent, excellent performance. Yeah, I remember. Um, I remember when we hit the stage and that full moon was happening and all that. And uh, and it was just, you know, like, it was just uh, because I think Lou Reed had played um, at another stage. And he got yelled at a, few, a fair bit by the crowd, I remember. Yeah, something like that. And then there was just this mass exodus, and then they all just showed up in front of us. And, you know, we just took it and ran with it. And it was, uh, it was one of the most memorable Tea Party concerts, and that's saying something because we've had a few. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, uh, you're spot on about the volume of people there. It was an enormous crowd on that smaller stage that you were playing on. Um, it was very hard to get a glimpse of you, but it was probably the first time I was very young at the time. I was only, when I say very young, I was 17 or so, but Led Zeppelin weren't exactly in the public eye at that time because, you know, the internet really hadn't got a hold. But it was the first time that I'd heard music that re reminded me of that. And consequently, through your music, I was able to get into Led Zeppelin, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Hmm. Yeah, well, you know, it's like, well, there's certainly um, there's a direct lineage between the two bands, you know. I mean, like Jimmy Page, uh, not only was he my hero, but he's a dear friend as well, you know. And it's like I consider, consider him like family, you know. So we do have the running joke that, you know, he's the sorcerer and I'm the apprentice. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's right. Well, there's, there's another guitarist that you're paying tribute to, and I've got to be honest with you, mate, it was probably not the guitarist or the band that I would have associated you with but Peter Buck and REM you've got this show coming up so tell us all about that well basically um, the, the guy that's um, you know put it he's putting on the musical director um, he's had me in the back of uh, his mind for quite some time and uh, there's been 
there was scheduling issues and things like that. And obviously, um, he needed to reach out and find out if it would be something that I'd be interested in. Because the only other one, the only other tribute situation that I've done um, was many years ago, like five or six years ago. I did the a Led Zeppelin tribute, which more or less made sense. You know what I mean? But uh, um, but a lot of people, uh, you know, like it would be a misconceived notion that um, you know, like yeah, that maybe. My musical taste, like in in popular music, isn't as broad as what um, people might expect, you know. And uh, 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 sorry, of that, but um, but when I was growing up, uh, especially in um, like around you know, 15, 16 years old, um, Jeff Burroughs, the drummer in the Tea Party, turned me on to really early REM stuff, you know, because because of Peter Buck's guitar playing and that you know that jangly 12-string Rickenbacker sound. You know, which um, f- for me, um, that was it was a new sound for me to hear. Even though you know, Peter Buck got it from, like he was very influenced by Roger McGuinn of the Birds. You know, and that was something that you know. For, so from listening to REM's music and Peter Buck's guitar playing, that's how I discovered the Birds, and then I discovered you know the Birds doing the the country rock thing, and took it from there and B-benders and things like that. So, but. Um, I just, um, I just, I've always appreciated, um, you know, the, the song catalog of REM, and some of the, some of the songs are, well, you know, the timeless, you know, and uh, and I was, it was very fortunate that um, um, with uh, with me being able to select the songs that I wanted to, you know, to perform in this in this situation, um, the, the there's songs that are very, very close to my heart, and I'm also being given you know, artistic license to, you know, well, you got to do it justice, but also to interpret it in a different way as well, you know, so. Yes, I understand. Well, you've got some bloody good collaborators that are helping you there. I mean, the name that really stood out to me was Steve Kilby. Now, he's a bassist and a singer, but I think he's one of the finest musicians this country's ever produced, actually. So have you worked a lot with Steve in the past? I have, you know what, I've yet to meet the man. So uh, again, it's going to be, a, it'll be a first and uh and again, you know, as uh, like when I was uh, a teenager, you know, like that song, The Church, you know, Under the Milky Way, that was a big song as well. So, you know, it was kind of like, um, you know, for me, knowing the, the caliber of musicians that were that are going to be a part of this, um, that was another selling point for me as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at this list of um, artists and musicians that you're collaborating with. It, it almost reads like a who's who of the 90s. So you've got you've got um, Trish Young, um, Peter Fenton of Crow. God, I remember them. They were brilliant. And of course, being from Brisbane, Amanda Brown from the Go Betweens is a very important artist for us. Um, right. So have you have you worked with any of these these people in the past? And whose idea actually was it to get all of you together? Well, actually, as I said, it was the music director of, of the show, and Ed. Um, but no, I've not worked with any of these musicians as of yet, you know, so, um, and it's always, um, it's always an exciting thing, you know, um, approaching fast, you know, the first rehearsals and all of us being together in a room and seeing, you know, what chemistry can be formed, you know, and I'm sure it's going to be something very positive. Okay, rightio. Now, are you cool if I ask you a question about your solo tour? Of course. Yeah. Okay, so you've got your solo tour coming up and there's an impressive list of dates here. I mean, you're playing at um, your Monday near the sunny coast there. And also Bellingen, which is probably uh, northern, it's in northern New South Wales, of course. Okay, so 
is what sort of music have you got a new forgive me here for not having done a, the research on this but have you got a new solo album in the works that you're looking to promote or is this um a bit of a greatest hits of jeff martin and the tea party that you're going to be putting on oh, no what i have actually in fact is um i've got a five song um ep that's um has just gone to manufacturing um it's something um something that i'm very proud of because um a couple of years ago um, i spent some time in morocco and um i worked with a lot of um, Moroccan musicians from different parts of Morocco and did a lot of field recordings with them and um, using um, their you know their very distinct um, styles and sounds um, to interpret um, songs um, of my past and you know what was going to be a future as well so um, it's a it's a collection of songs on this record that's um, yeah, it's very, very exotic. Um, there's a lot going on, um, but um, you know, there's also uh, the the title track is "Stars in the Sand," and that's a, it's a beautiful sort of Hendrix soundscape sort of thing. So it's um, there's a lot of guitar playing on it, and um, it's just things that um, maybe um, you know, for the time being, uh, it's it's more world music than where the the Tea Party is going right now with our new material. Our new material is very sort of very hard rock and that'll see the light of day next year but um but this stuff uh yeah this is um something that um, i'm promoting and also my um my live show um i finally just pulled out of the woodwork all of these pedals and things like that that uh, all these you know companies have been sending me over the years and i've just been putting together this thing in my rehearsal studio where it's almost going to be like a you know if it all goes according to plan, and if it ends up sounding like it's going to sound, it sounds in my head. It would be like a sort of like a one-man Pink Floyd sort of thing. Cool. You know? Yeah, yeah. Wicked. Yeah. What's your What's your most prized guitar? Because I imagine you'd have a heck of a collection. Well, I'm staring at it right now. My most prized guitar is a it's a 1916 um, Gibson harp guitar. So it's over. It's over. Yeah, it's 102 years old. It was. Uh, it was handmade by the founder of Gibson Guitars himself, Orville Gibson, and uh, it's it's what it sounds like. It's it's half an acoustic guitar and half a harp, and uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful piece. It's kind of like uh, you know how Dorian Gray has the picture in the attic. Well, I've got a harp guitar sitting, you know, <laughs> in the corner. So I imagine if you've got kids, that's one that there's a definite no-touch rule around. Ah, uh, you know, my my little boy. Um, <laughs> He's uh, he's pretty good. Like when we first moved in here at River House, um, my wife had bought me uh, for an engagement ring. It was this. Uh, it wasn't an engagement ring at all. It was a uh, an Egyptian harp. It was called a canoon. You know, it's a beautiful instrument. It's on the stand and everything. And um, the first week that we moved in here at River House, he knocked it over. <laughs> so, exactly. yeah. but that was his lesson. That was his lesson learned. And now uh, he's no longer a bull in a china shop because. You know, my house is a—it's a like a museum of world instruments, my bed, and guitars yeah. and things like that. So, uh, so he knows how to navigate now. I don't know how many times I picked up my mate an acoustic to pick it up and shake it, and there was biscuits shoved into the sound hole because I left it out. <laughs> <laughs> I've, yeah. I've probably got enough biscuits, or I probably had enough biscuits in there to make a full packet of ginger nut biscuits. But there uh, you go. Yeah, it was it was just one of those things, and I think I've still got stains on it from where they've put paint and all sorts of things because uh, yeah, they're attracted to everything they're not allowed to touch. Of course, as you probably well know. Yeah, well, I mean, um, I'm pretty lucky with this house that's uh, sort of in the 
the left wing of the house, like it's kind of where the recording studio is, and you know most of the instruments and everything else. But uh, there's a there's a lot on display in the house. But he's uh, he's got it down now, so because he knows someday he's going to inherit them. So cool, look after it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You mentioned Gibson now, I, I, because just because of the caliber of a player you are, I need to ask this: what do you, what's your take on? The recent episode that, or the episode that they're still going through, there's not really an end in sight there. I know they filed for bankruptcy, but the decision to put those bloody awful tuners, my opinion, of course, on the back of the headstock, and basically force buyers to purchase that version of the guitar over and above what was the original and still the genuine article. I mean, did you do you have a view on what they're doing there? Do you think it was something that just happened in a boardroom and it was left out of the hand of musicians? And what do you? I'm, I'm, you might be the wrong person to be asking this, but as I say, because you're a, a revere guitarist, I'm just curious for your feedback here. What's your take on the future for Gibson? Well, um, they have to go back to, um, well, when you say basics, you know, I mean, the basics, like, just, just go back to the classic models. That, that's what everyone wants. Yeah, you know, it's what everyone needs, you know. Um, I understand what they tried to do with those tuners because... Well, I have um, I have a, a Les Paul that has a, um, a system in it called a Transperformance. So basically, the Transperformance is it's the Nassau version of those tuners that Gibson tried to put on the Les Pauls, right? And um, now that guitar is something else, you know, the one that I have. But um, the the one that um, Gibson tried to mass market. Well, it's not meant for everybody, you know. Like everyone doesn't want to play in those different tunings, you know, or, or you know, be handcuffed, you know, to. That was the that. problem, yeah, right yeah. there, wasn't it? That they forced people to do it. There wasn't the option, of, or you could remove it, but you would lose your warranty. I understand. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it just seems so, stupid, but anyway, yeah. I think that uh, I think they'll, they'll they'll see better days soon. So. Do you play the bass guitar at all? I do. Yes. Yeah. What's your preferred choice of axe or instrument in that case? Um, well, I've got two. Um, I've got a um, a reissue Fender Precision that sort of looks like a um, a Telecaster bass, right? So it's a '61 um, Precision reissue. That's um, it's my main go-to bass. And then I also have my uh, my father's bass because my father uh, was a bass player. He doesn't play anymore. So, um, but he had a um, a Gibson. Triumph, which is like the um, one of my main um, recording guitars, is a Gibson Les Paul recording model, and uh, so there was a bass version of it that was put out in the early '70s, and um, I use that as well. You know, if you want to get those really sort of uh, mellow, almost like uh, Paul McCartney sort of uh, bass sounds. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm curious. So I'm a bass guitarist first and foremost. I also play guitar, but I always started on the bass, and. Um, Look, uh, guitarists that are as accomplished as yourself often um, play bass as well. So, do you play the bass on your own recordings, or do you bring? Um, I have, I have. Um, well, certainly, you know, I wouldn't do it on the Tea Party's recordings because I've got Stuart Chatwood. You know, but, uh, but for my own recordings, yes, I do. And also for um, when I'm producing clients here at Riverhouse, um, I have, um, I have a great. Um, selection of drummers around this area that will come and do sessions for me, like Dave Atkins from uh, Wolfmother, uh, Tara Pye Richmond will you know come play play drums. But usually I just handle the bass, and um, 
and uh, it always works out, you know, because um, it's something I enjoy as well. I must see Andrew Stockdale. It's just got to be one of those things around Brisbane City about once every six months or so. I don't don't know him. I've never spoken to him, but I've been in covers bands in the city, and he's come in with his girlfriend and danced whilst I've been playing, which is quite a thrill for us, nobody musicians, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. But, but have you um have you thought about a collaboration with Andrew? Because I know he's if if you're the lead, you know if you're uh, associated with Led Zeppelin through your playing, I suppose he would be associated with Black Sabbath through his playing, but in a way that people can relate to. It's not a heavy metal thing, so. Have you have you thought about a collaboration with each other? Well, um, it's funny you mention that because uh, we just saw Andrew in Byron because he lives in Byron now, and uh, and I played with him um, not too long ago at the Mojo Burning Festival in Brisbane, right? Um, so it was Wolf Mother and uh, myself. I was doing a solo gig, and um, but yeah, so uh, Andrew is supposed to be coming over for dinner um, sometime soon, and just to come and see the studio and. Uh, you know, talk about some things. So, yeah. Cool. All right, mate. It's been a fascinating chat. Thank you so much. I'll certainly be in the uh, the audience there on your uh, Black Bear Lodge show, uh, the okay, solo fantastic. show in Brisbane, mate. So, um, yeah, congratulations on a wonderful career too. It's great to finally chat to you. You're one of those musicians that I've looked up to, musically speaking, for a very long time. So, thank you. So, yeah, I hope you know. Long may you continue to make music. No, right. Thanks, my friend. No worries, mate. Cheers. Bye, brother. Bye. Bye. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was my conversation with Jeff Martin. Thank you so much for listening.